With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. I don't think the Nets celebrated, but Minnesota, I understand it. I mean, those fans have waited for something to cheer for, and now you have a pretty good nucleus there. Did they go overboard? Yeah. But they haven't been in that situation before. Any of those players won anything before? And the answer is no. I don't even think in college they have. Patrick Beverly's been there for like five months. I know. But he, he's a former Clipper. How long has he been a former Clipper? I get it. That's a couple of years. And once again, he got kicked to the curb. I mean, well, first of all, welcome to the show, Mackie and Judd. Happy Reckless Speculation Thursday to all who celebrate. We got our guy, Darren Doogie Wolfson, in the house here. He's battling illness. I'm battling warnings from Xfinity saying your internet's going to be screwed up. Uh We're grinding. There it is, right on cue. As you said, the the Xfinity Gremlins jumped in there and took you out. Phil, it's not that difficult. Pay your bill. If you just simply paid your bill, we wouldn't have these issues. Yeah, Phil. Oh, man. I Get tried to listen, I write, maybe I should stop writing the actual checks. I don't know. The, the check, the checkbook that's 20 years old that's been collecting dust. Okay, where did all these no one cared about the Timberwolves for 17 years and now all of a sudden like there's this celebration police force just roaming around saying you can be excited but not that excited. Like who cares? Where like where were all you people for 17 years? I don't get it, dudes. <laughs> I'm with you on that, Phil. Now, J.J. Redick, excellent podcaster, now former NBA player. I really enjoy his podcast. He is with you. He is with the local masses saying, enjoy it. It's the beauty of sports, right? Like, right. And I was trying to figure out, when's the last time Anthony Edwards played in a big game? It definitely wasn't at Georgia. No. I mean, maybe back in his AAU days. Patrick Beverly, I get it. Like, the L.A. Clippers... We're trying to move him all summer. Finally, they got the Wolves to bite. Like, the Clippers were done with Bev. He knew all about that. So that game the other night had that much more meaning for Bev. It was one of, I don't think this is an exaggeration, one of the biggest wins for this franchise going back 18 years. Yes, game 82 against Denver, April of 18, is in that mix. Yes, the one playoff victory over Houston, April of 18, is in that mix. Then it's the other night. That is it, going all the way back to May of 2004 when the Wolves beat the Kings in the second round, then gave the Lakers all they could handle. The Wolves were down some guys in the Western Conference Finals. So, yes, celebrate it, Wolves Nation. You have nothing to apologize for. Here's what I don't get to, and and I I know it's a good talker, like it's a great talk. Did they? Oh, go. Did they? Was it too much? But what I don't get is this: after every basically every clinch by a baseball team, they now go into their clubhouse and spray beer and champagne and put on goggles. Okay, and I've been saying for a long time, you know, especially good good teams, why don't you hold off? You like like why are you doing this? The Wolves literally celebrated with their fans. Like, Pat Bev did not run off the floor, go in the locker room, pull out a bottle of uh, champagne. He's, like, up on the scores table, throws his jersey, which is cool. Um, And this is, like, where the magical line is drawn. Like, if you want the magical line drawn, I'll draw it. Don't celebrate with champagne after every baseball series win. But what the Wolves did, like, I don't understand crapping on a team 
that has en- has enough guys who are conscious of the situation to celebrate with the fans. And Dukes, you you were there, you saw it. Those fans deserve that. Like like it's not like the wolves all peeled off the court and they're like, this is going to be an internal celebration for us. They basically, especially Ant and Pet Bev, shared in their joy with a fan base that has been, you know, in fan hell for how long? So, like, this is a really weird one, in my opinion, to draw a line when when we don't draw a line at a lot of stuff that makes a lot less sense. Yeah, sing it, Judd. I mean, who am I to judge how somebody wants to react to a situation? Now, like D'Angelo Russell told Allie LaForce postgame, hey, this is where we are supposed to be. So D'Angelo's celebration was very much subdued. That's fine. But for Ant, for Pat, for the fan base, live it up. Judd, I've always said this is an incredibly passionate NBA market. I remember back in that 04 run, right? The block party in front of First Avenue right there, in front of Target Center, in front of Glicks, whatever that is, 5th Street, 6th Street. I remember how lively downtown was. You know, over that five, six-year stretch, 99 to 04. Bellanote. (laughs) Yes. Michael Olawakandi just thumping in the corner. Michael Olawakandi was at Bellanote with like five minutes to go in the fourth quarter half the game. I'm forgetting the – there was a club, too, like back end of the warehouse district. Stoiko used to go there, smoke some cigarettes. Tropics? Rasho Nesterovich used to go. No, not Tropics. Over Tropics? Yes, I do. I do. It had like the velvet – Declan, can you help me? Judd, this is... I mean, I was 12. I, I can't help you. No, no. No, probably Pacific not. Pacific Club? Hey, Doogie. Pacific yeah. Club? Pacific no. Club then got, got no. replaced by another hotspot that, that Moon used to go, go to a ton when, when he played for the Vikings. That was right in that... Uh, dream Girls? No, not Dream Girls. No, Dream Girls still there. Dream Girls. <laughs> Does Dream Girls still do the hot dog buffet, or did they have to cut that because of COVID <laughs> losses? Pretty sure it's still there. I think Choi still has the hot dog buffet. Choice Dream is, Girls Yankee. Choi is still there. Yeah. Choice yeah. Jukebox I think still Saturday there, night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, in that vicinity, yeah, there was there was a club, like, back end of the warehouse district. I'm guessing somebody can remind me. That's where a lot of the, the Wolves guys went. But, yes, like, look at the TV ratings. Like, there's just there's many ways to quantify Wolves' interest in this marketplace. Yeah. I can tell you it's very high especially right now. So live it up. And this is the matchup we all wanted, right? Like we all said, okay, if they end up as the eight seed, you know, maybe they steal a game from Phoenix, but that's more than likely a four or five game series. I think they have a legit chance to win this series against Memphis. I would probably bet on Memphis. I would make Memphis a slight favorite, Mm -hmm. but I think this series goes six or seven games. This is a very good matchup for the Wolves, in my opinion. All right, give us your give us your download on the on the cat situation. That was just I mean, we've said pretty much everything that we're gonna say on it in the last two days, but that was embarrassing. And they and they like they immediately go on this game winning run after he fouls out. So what's your what's your download as to what you saw? Well, I mean, I'm not gonna overreact to one game and say it's time to trade him. I mean yeah. some of the instant emotional reaction right after the game the other night was to me laughable, but he was horrendously bad. And like for him to not think most of those six fouls were legit fouls or not legit fouls, like, you know, he had an issue with most of them. Like, come on, Cat. Like, five of the six absolutely were fouls. We can debate maybe one of them. I had the first row on press, you know, area seating. Judd was right behind me. At one point, Cat came over and hit the table right in front of me, you know, a lot of expletives coming out of his mouth. It was D'Angelo Russell on the exercise bike about three feet from me that was calming him down. And D'Angelo Russell was excellent. Maybe not necessarily the first quarter the other night, but from quarters two on, he was great. And, you know, he got his teammates involved in that first quarter. He had four or five assists. But credit to D'Lo for calming Cat down. But Yeah, like those were all legit fouls. We knew that the Clippers were going to turn it into a wrestling match, muck it up, look at the games that Cat played against the Clippers in November. That's exactly what they did. It's not like we were surprised at how L.A. was going to defend him. L.A. is a top 10 defensive team, so they know what the heck they are doing. So Cat has to do a better job of controlling his emotions. 
But I'm not going to overreact and say, like, this is now Ant's team, right? Or this is Delo's team. No, this is still Cat's team. Cat is the alpha. And Cat will have to be big if, if they are going to advance past Memphis. If the Wolves uh, do can give the Grizz um, a, a, uh, a, you know, extended, let's say they take this six or uh, seven games. What is the opportunity here to nationally for Ant to put his stamp on on this game? Because it seems to, to me that, you know, we have certainly in this time become aware of how good Ant can be. But this feels like a real opportunity from a national standpoint for him to create some separation now between him being, you know, a good player and an up-and-coming player to almost an established type guy who, who the TNT crew glums onto and starts to talk about as, at the very least, a dynamic player in this league. Well, yeah, I mean, those accolades oftentimes come with playoff success. Like I saw Bobby Marks. Our mutual friend put together a list the other day of the top players, 25 or younger. And Anthony Edwards was pretty far down the list. I forget exactly where he was at. But I think like he was 24, dude. Desmond of Bain of the Memphis Grizzlies, who's a good player, by the way. But above, Desmond Bain above Ant? was above Ant. Come on. Yeah, I've been meaning to track down Bobby for some back and forth on that. You know, good-natured, of course. I love Bobby. No. Highly no, respect no, him. No, bury his ass. Bury his ass. Bobby. <laughs> Take out the fire extinguisher. Just end him. Psh, yeah, finish end him. him. Finish him. I'll finish him off. Yeah. Then we'll, maybe we'll go find uh, that hot dog buffet at, at Choice afterwards. <laughs> I'll reward Atta him after. Boy. But, like, really? 24th on that list? Desmond Bain seven spots ahead of Ant? So, yeah, Judd, to answer your inquiry, yes, this would be the time for Ant to fully establish himself. But let's not forget, like, you know, post-game the other night, I think you were doing one of these with Declan and or Phil Judd, so you weren't in the press conference room, but it was Bev and it was Ant at the table. Uh Bev has a tall boy, Bud Light, you know, Uh taking some sips, enjoying it (laughs) post-game. Ant couldn't even have a beer, right? He doesn't even turn 21 until August, right? So... There is a long way to go for Ant to establish himself. He's well on his way to earning a max contract, that second contract with the Wolves. He'll get the full max be here for a long time. But, yes, on a national level, on a national scale, yes, this has a chance to be a coming out party these next two weeks. Hey, you know, we see, uh, again, during that game, Alex Rodriguez tipping back some sort of clear cocktail throughout the game, maybe like a vodka soda, maybe a a gin and tonic. I don't know, but he was enjoying himself. Mark Laurie starting the – the shoes off, game's over, trend. I mean, they've been fixtures courtside, and and they'll run on the court after games. You know, like they're very positive and present, and the the players seem to like those guys, even though they're minority owners right now. You know, from what you've heard over the last few months, aside from just showing up at games and hanging out courtside and living the life of NBA minority owners, what sort of influence have they had on the organization this year, Doogie? Well, I mean, I can tell you, you know, very recently. They had a lot to do with the Chris Finch extension. Hmm. Chris Finch still had one full year plus a team option. It's not like the Wolves had to give Chris Finch an extension this week. He did not drive that bus. His agent did not drive that bus. It was, for the most part, it was very much Mark Laurie, Alex Rodriguez driving that bus. Then Glenn Taylor ultimately signing off on it. To me, a no-brainer extending Chris Finch for three years plus uh, one extra year a team option, a mutual option on that fourth year, more a team option that fourth year. But, like, that's one example. You know, bringing in Marquise Watts, you know, from Clutch Sports, who has an influence here in town going back many, many years when he ran an AAU program. But he's got that relationship with Ant from Clutch. He's got a relationship with a lot of guys. You know, he's been working internally on, you know, player relations, you know, somewhat fan relations, but more so player relations, just the experience of, of players, you know, feedback he has gathered over some time. Well, Mark and Alex had a lot to do with Marquise Watts joining the organization in this high-level role. So those would be two very specific examples just going back a few months. Interesting. Back to Kat uh, Dukes. In, in this series that they're about to play, uh, do, do the Grizzlies have the same – uh, personnel and same ability to just from a starting point take away cat like the Clippers did because I found it 
intriguing that we sort of knew what the Clippers were going to do in that game to Cat. They did it, and the Wolves couldn't really – somewhat surprisingly, they didn't respond. Like, it, it was just like, oh, my God, Cat's gone, and Cat gets mad, and then he gets fouls. Do the Grizzlies ha- have the same personnel and the same abilities to do that, or is this going to be a different type of matchup which is going to free Cat up a little bit, bit more to not get frustrated from the moment the game begins? Well, yes and no. I mean, Jaron Jackson Jr. is an all-defensive type player. In fact, I'd put him on the first team all-defense, but if he's second team, that's fine. So I think we'll see Jaron Jackson Jr. on Cat, but we could also see Steve Adams on Cat. I mean, going back years when Steve Adams was in Oklahoma City, Cat has talked about how tough a matchup Steve Adams has been for him, but I expect to see more so Jaron Jackson on Cat, Steve Adams on Jared Vanderbilt, To me, the X factor for Memphis is they now have Dylan Brooks back. He did not play in any of the four matchups against the Wolves in the regular season. The two teams split 2-2. Dylan Brooks is Memphis's best perimeter defender. So for him to be now available, that makes Memphis's defense that much better. But I think the Wolves are going to get some looks. Like the way Memphis plays its defense, its drop defense, the Wolves should get some good three-point opportunities I think the Wolves will be able to score against Memphis. The question is, can they keep Memphis off the offensive glass? Memphis is a really good offensive rebounding team. The Wolves are not a good defensive rebounding team. How many second-chance opportunities do the Grizzlies get? That, to me, is a big factor. But I think Cat will be able to get some looks, you know, just with Jaron Jackson Jr. guarding him. But Jaron Jackson Jr. is a really good defensive player. Yeah. And so you're going to see Jackson Jr. on – on Cat a good amount. So I think it's more incumbent on, you know, Cat, D'Lo, those perimeter guys making their shots. I don't expect to see Cat go for 30 and 15 multiple games. I mean, you know, think back to 18. Think back to that Rocket series. Go back and look at the box scores. Cat, game one, game two, game three. Didn't really do a whole lot. A little bit in game three. Had one good game among the five, if I'm not mistaken, but he was pretty much a non-factor in multiple games in that Rocket series. Like, I'm not suggesting he's going to be a non-factor, but, like, if the Wolves are going to win multiple games, Judd, I don't think it's going to be Cat carrying them in this series. I think it's going to be more so Ann and D'Lo. Well, it's, it's, and we'll, we'll get into some of the – I'm going to go meat and potatoes with these guys in the, in the next segment here of Mackie and Judd today. But just because you've dove into this a little bit, what I'm so curious about, the Clippers absolutely flustered Cat in that game and really like in their four matchups that cat played like cat only averaged like 13 or 14 points in the four games he played this season go that blueprint and run a double team am i frozen again god dang yeah. it well you weren't until you said am i frozen god dang it <laughs> yeah oh yeah. my gosh Listen, I start spewing takes, and, and the gremlins just cut me off. So I'll, I'll get to the point quick here. The Clippers ran a double team at him the entire night and flustered him and got him four fouls in the first half. I think Memphis feels like they can guard him straight up with Jaron Jackson Jr. and or Steven Adams, but I would actually take that if I'm the Timberwolves. Like I would rather have the tougher individual defender but have Cat go one-on-one and and maybe even you know clear out and create some space than have to – you know. He's not Kevin Garnett 15 years ago where he welcomes the double. He gets flustered by it. So I'd rather Memphis put a, put a defender on him and take my chances that way. What do you think? Completely agree. Yeah, I don't think we'll see a whole lot of double teaming, you know, here and there. But, yeah, I can see Jaron Jackson Jr. playing catch straight up. So he should be able to get some looks in the post, you know, turn right, turn left, get some opportunities that way. And, you know, if he wants to pull up in transition – take some threes early in the shot clock, I'm fine with that too. We know Memphis wants to play really fast. I mean, I think they were number one in pace during the regular season, if not one, certainly top three in pace. So Memphis wants to play really, really fast. But playing really fast, that should also give the Wolves some chances to also play fast. So if Cat wants to pull up and get some shots that way, I'm cool with that. Doogie, just looking at the uh, money line here in Bovada, which I've already hammered on the Wolves. Uh, right now, the Grizzlies are minus 290, but the Wolves are plus 240 on the money line per Bovada. And the over-under set at 234.5 with the spread at seven-point favorites for the Grizzlies to take game one. 
Wow. Well, I would take the Wolves and the seven points on Saturday. Mm -hmm. I get it. Memphis should be the favorite. No doubt. I mean, Memphis was the number two team in the NBA in the regular season. Outside of Phoenix, it was Memphis. Memphis was better than any team in the Eastern Conference. Memphis is really, really good. I've mentioned what their record was when Ja Morant missed games this year. Ja Morant missed 22 or 23 games. Memphis won 20 games without Ja Morant. That tells you how deep they are. That starting five of Ja Morant, Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks, Jaron Jackson Jr., Steve Adams is really good. But they also haven't played a whole lot together this year. They did play together the other night in New Orleans or against New Orleans and played really, really well. I think they scored 141 points. But then they bring some of those guys off the bench like Melton, like Tyus Jones, Apple Valley's own, who's going to get paid this summer. I think some team gives him the full mid-level, maybe at four years. Like, I think Tyus should get a nice contract this summer. Brandon Clark, who the Wolves thought had too short of arms. That's why they didn't want him in the draft a couple years ago. He's had some really good games against the Wolves this year. Kyle Anderson is capable, hasn't had a great year. So, I mean, they have four or five guys off their bench that they can legitimately play. Like, they are really good, and I don't think most people realize the step forward that Bain has taken. Like, Desmond Bain is legit. Like, you can argue Memphis has a legit big three. Jaron Jackson Jr., John Morant, then Desmond Bain. Desmond Bain is off the charts good. So, Dukes, uh, to, to go on to the Twins, what should the concern be about the move that was made? I think it, it was a bit of a surprise to those of us outside the organization yesterday. Alex Kirilov back on the 10-day IL, and it sounds like that same wrist that, that he had surgery on is bu- is bugging him. And more importantly, it sounds like he told reporters post-game, yeah, it really hasn't stopped hurting when I try and swing since I came back. Um, this does not sound like a good place to be um, this time of year. What can you tell us about Kirilov's wrist injury? Yeah, I mean, it's been recurring, right? I mean, this is not the first wrist injury. Here is the update from this morning, Jed. I'm reading it verbatim via text message. Alex is visiting with Dr. Graham today in Dayton, Ohio. We have to wait and see what the doctor says. Alex has a very uncommon wrist injury. It flared up again the last two weeks of spring training, He's been playing hurt this whole time. Alex says it's like having a sprained ankle. You know every time you step on that ankle, pain is coming. So that's what's been happening when he's been swinging. So definitely big-time concern, Alex Kirilov with the wrist. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's like, that's long-term concern. That's not like the next 30 days concern. That's long-term concern, right? Well, I mean, it sidelined him how long last year, right? I mean, yes, there is definite concern. But let's see what the doctor in Ohio says today, you know, before, you know, sounding the alarm too much. But, yeah, we definitely need to talk about it. And, you know, just watching, just the eye test, watching Alex Kirilov's at-bats early here, he just doesn't look himself. Like, I think I said a year or two ago, I'll write that down, at some point in Alex Kirilov's career, he's going to win a batting title. Right, Because I love that swing so much. The swing I've seen through those Mariners and Dodgers games when he played, more so the Mariners games, that's not the Alex Kirilov swing I know. No. All right, rapid-fire scoops. What else? What other Twins things? What else you got for us? Well, Boye Mafe, Hopkins High School, gopher football player, visited the Seattle Seahawks this week. As far as I know, I think that's the first known documented visit for Mafe. I'm positive he's had some others or will have some others, but that's the first one that I can share publicly. Matt Waletsko is a good-looking draft prospect from Cold Spring, went to Ricori High School, maybe more so a day three pick. Offensive lineman from North Dakota, had a really good pro day. He visited the Broncos last week. Dawson Garcia, former McDonald's All-American, Prior Lake High School, had a really good freshman year at Marquette. Then went to the NBA pre-draft camp in Chicago. Actually played okay against some really good competition, but decided to go back to college, enters into the portal. Marquette has the coaching change. He ends up at North Carolina. He turns down Arizona. He turns down Illinois. He turned down Ben Johnson. And he went to North Carolina. Played half a year at North Carolina. 
had some decent moments, including had a good game against Purdue, but then his dad gets COVID. His grandma ends up passing, had a very close relationship with his grandma. At one point, grandma lived with Dawson. And Dawson left the program halfway through the year and never came back. So North Carolina ends up playing for the national championship. Dawson was gone. He wasn't there. He is now in the transfer portal. The Gophers have a very, very good chance here. They are already in hot pursuit. So he entered into the portal officially on Wednesday within, heck, minutes. Really, not an exaggeration. Within minutes, the Gophers were in touch. You think about the NCAA transfer rules, right? The one-time free transfer. So he ends up in North Carolina. That's the free transfer. Now he would have to apply for a hardship waiver. Well, I would say him coming home based on his family's situation, what he's been dealing with, where does he have a good chance to get that immediate waiver to play right away? The Minnesota Gopher. So I'm just saying keep an eye on Dawson Garcia, former McDonald's All-American, one of the best players right now in the transfer portal. Keep an eye on that situation. But certainly Ben Johnson and the Gophers are in big-time pursuit. Interesting. Interesting. Thank you, Doogie. Yeah, Great stuff, stuff, man. Doogs. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for coming on. Inside information. Then don't He's forget just... about the Drake London Pro Day tomorrow. USC wide receiver. Oh, oh six yeah. Six foot five. Yeah, that dude's uh, interesting. I, I mean, I've been, been telling we... Judd Phil, like, they are going, the Vikings, they are going to take a wide receiver at some point draft weekend. It's when, not if. Yeah. Like, I'm just telling you, it's something to keep an eye on in the first round. Maybe more so Garrett Wilson. Like, I heard that they really like Garrett Wilson, the Ohio mm-hmm. State kid. Mm-hmm. I just don't think he'll be there at 12. I think he goes to Atlanta mm-hmm. in front of the Vikings. But, like, I wonder about Drake London, only 20 years old. So you think about a really good player with a ton of upside, 20 years old. Just keep an eye on that pro day tomorrow with Drake London. Yeah, it's like, on one hand, yeah, they need defense, and their defense is aging. On the other hand, you have an offensive-minded coach that comes from the Rams and Sean McVay ecosystem. He's going to want more offensive toys to play with, right? So people writing off wide receiver, 1998, they didn't need a wide receiver either, right? Then they drafted Randy Moss. Big mistake. Big mistake. Don't forget in free agency. Most of free agency was about helping that defense. Why not in the draft early help the offensive-minded head coach? Yeah. Doogie, inside information about your favorite local sports teams. You can find him as part of the Five Eyewitness News Sports Team and the Scoop Podcast. Grinding it out today under the weather. We'll talk soon, man. I did. You know what? On that front, this was very much my Jordan game. All three (laughs) of us have worked together for multiple years. Heck, Phil, you and I go back, what, two decades? Almost 20 years, yeah. Judd, you and I, at least on air, go back at least a decade. I have overcome a lot. I've persevered many times. But yes, here we go for the YouTube audience. Oh, there it is. Oh, that, that's that's a positive COVID test. Oh my God, grinding, you're dude. <laughs> He's oh my God, Doogie, congratulations. So this is my Jordan game. I just got through an entire podcast. I feel actually fine, no fever. But yeah, I'm I'm in isolation for a few days, five right. days. Take care. All right, yourself. well, go, go well, take man. a rest, get better. That's our guy, Darren. All right, Doogie see you, boys. Bye bye. You know, uh, I don't think Federati can help him with that positive COVID test. But, uh, you know, if you're a business owner out there and uh, your business falls into one of the industries that Federated specializes in, you're going to want to make a phone call or go to the website, federatedinsurance.com, and find out how they can elevate your business and help you with risk management. Federatedinsurance.com. And remember, at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. All right, boys. Reckless speculation Thursday here. There's less, you know, Actual like free agent speculation stuff because we're kind of past that. So, if I may indulge before hmm. X, the Xfinity internet gremlins cut yeah. me off again yeah. here, Make so your rudely. Quick, baby. Make your By the way, quick. I literally have gotten two text messages. I don't know if you guys have ever had this. Like Judd had some like Friday at eleven a.m. internet issues for like six yes. months. Super weird. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. <laughs> just like all right, I guess at eleven a.m. on Friday we're just gonna. So I got two text messages this week from Xfinity here saying, hey, a warning that on you know this week and then on this day, we're going to be doing major work to upgrade the network in your area, but you're basically going to be without internet or tons of interruptions for X amount of time. It's like for them to feel the need to send a text message about it mm-hmm. means that like, yeah. yeah. Bring it, it, it means bring on yeah. your, your <laughs> reckless speculation points. Yes. So let's speculate on the future of the Timberwolves. Against the Grizzlies here. You know what I have to do for this? Put my Wolves bib on. 
Well, first, first, you, have to, first you have to wave it. Yeah. Hold, yeah, hold okay. on, get the flag. Get the flag first. Yep, wave, wave that. Yep, there you go. Your, your towel waving has really upgraded in the last few days. The first few times it was, you didn't know what to do. No, because I was trying to show the fans that it is a wolf's towel. Like, I didn't just go to the we closet that, and pull out a random towel. You know what, but God, now, because this is going to be meat and, and potatoes and gravy, I got to put on the wolf bib. Yes, yes. You know what I was secretly hoping for? If the Wolves, first, I wasn't hoping that they would lose the game the other night. I'm glad that they won the game. But if they were going to lose the game and the way that things were trending for Carl Anthony Towns, and we knew that Judd was sitting courtside and he was going to do the podcast courtside after the game, after people cleared out. Well, sometimes when players have bad games, they come back to the court and like shoot for a half hour. And I was just waiting for Judd to be sitting there in an empty arena doing a podcast with us, doing Ventline with Carl Anthony Towns out there taking jumpers, listening to him. The funny thing was, he did come back, but he was he was in his uh, street clothes. But did he, he come did back come to like back. see family and stuff? Or I guess so. Yeah. So okay. yes, he did come back. I did see him post game. I can confirm I saw him post game. But yeah, he was not uh, back out there sweating and shooting jumpers. Yeah. So let's do. Let's just let's talk about the tail of the tape here, right? Let's talk about so Memphis, awesome. Declan. You had the uh, the game one with Doogie there. The game one line. So Memphis is a favorite. Mm-hmm. These are the two highest-scoring teams in the NBA. They both averaged 115 points per game. Memphis is the best rebounding team in the NBA and the best offensive rebounding team in the NBA. They lead the NBA also in steals and blocks defensively. They're not a great three-point shooting team. They're kind of mid-pack, but as Doogie talked about on the scoop, Desmond Bain, who was like a late... Was he a second round? No, I think he was like a late first-round pick from a couple years ago, and the Grizzlies acquired him. Good role player last year. He is, I mean, he's he's like a six foot five. He's kind of like Bradley Beal. Like, he's just a sniper shooter. He can play hmm. the two, can play the three. He's averaging almost 20 points a game, and he can go off with the best from three-point range. So he's he is their sniper shooter that you have to worry about just going off for, like, seven threes in a game at any point. But that's kind of the tale, man. I mean, on the Memphis side, high energy, high scoring, they get hands in passing lanes. They defend the perimeter uh, on defense. They've got Jaron Jackson Jr., who's six foot ten, six foot eleven, and Stephen Adams has been in the league. You know, he was with those Oklahoma City teams from like ten years ago with, you know, Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook and those guys. But uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. led the NBA in blocks, and he will likely attempt to defend Carl Anthony Towns mostly one on one. We'll see. But I'm the most curious thing that I see here is. How does Memphis defend Cat? Does Memphis look at the Clippers' blueprint and say, okay, so, so in the regular season, Cat Cat wasn't the dominating force in those two wins against Memphis, but Cat was like 23-10 and 10 against Memphis this year and played pretty well. So does the, you know, do they run Jaron Jackson and Steven Adams at him one-on-one and, and just try and shut him down that way? Or do they look at the Clippers and say, man, that guy got flustered by double teams. Let's... Do it again. Let's see if we can get three quick fouls on him. So that's kind of the, the cat and mouse game, if you will, between. Oh, I like that. Meat and potatoes, wolves right there. So yeah. I got to clean up my clean up a bit. And I got a question off of that, though. And, here, and here's the thing. So yeah, you, mi- you missed a spot there. Yeah. Oh, 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 yeah. oh, oh, boy, right there. Oh, there good, you go. good stuff. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's, um, it, as we continue to cut into the wolf steak here, here's my, here's my thing. So the game on Tuesday. I actually was not most di- disappointed in Finchie for for his in-game moves there because, yeah, you, you could question them, but those are split-second decisions. What really surprised me and what I had predicted w- when we did the podcast uh, with Dane on Tuesday, and I think I was just flat-out wrong, was we sort of knew what they were going to do to Cat, the Clippers, and they did it, and the Wolves had no response for it. And I don't. And in that case, I'm going to defend Cat a little bit. Cat's not going to come up with the response to how, like, he can respond how he reacts. But as far as the actual strategic move itself, he's not going to have the game plan answer. That comes from the coaching staff. So I really thought Finchie would have a plan. Like they're doing is because they did exactly what you thought. So okay, they're doing that now. Here's our plan to help Cat out. Yeah. That really didn't exist. Like Cat just was in trouble, and and then and and you know that that from that point on, it's sort of predictable he's going to melt down. It's not good. So yeah. my question is, Phil, off of your point, if the Grizzlies say, okay, the Clippers, they got it. Like this is this is the blueprint. 
in a long series. Again, I'm going to defend Finchie a bit and say I find it hard to believe that the Wolves are going to say, oh, <laughs> they, they, they did it to us again. So are, is there going to be a response this time that's at least going to attempt to put Carl in a, in a position to succeed? Because I didn't think on Tuesday, just from a starting point, he had that. Yeah, there's God, there's so much. This is think about this. We are sitting here in the middle of April dissecting the minutiae of an NBA playoff series preview with the Timberwolves for the second time in my adult life. Here, second here, time here, in here, Declan's here, adult here, here, life. Here we go. I'm gonna do it. I mean, come on. Wave the flag. That's right. Ooh, jiggly oh, jug. Wow. Good. Jiggly jug. Shoes are off. I can't. I can't take the shoe off. Here's my series shoe. over. Shoes off. Yeah. Hold Here's on a second. Shoe. Hold on a second. Hold on. Oh God. The slipper. slipper. Yeah. The slipper. Slippers off. Slippers off. Slippers Big off. slipper guy. Big slipper Love. guy. Love. Love. <laughs> so, if I'm the Timberwolves, oh sorry, that's me. I got that. I got that. I mean, I don't mind it playing in the background the whole time. Just keep it going. Just keep it going. series. If I'm the Wolves, I welcome even. I mean, be careful what you wish for here, because Jaron Jackson and Stephen Adams can be absolute pests as defenders, but I'd rather them send one guy one-on-one to try and handle Carl Anthony Towns than mm-hmm. have to deal with what happened against the Clippers, unless you're confident that Towns can take a deep breath. I think, you know, those of us that were fortunate enough to watch Kevin Garnett operate at his peak, and the last time the Wolves, well, the only time the Wolves made a deep playoff run in 2003-04, I mean, KG at his peak was brilliant out of double teams. He's one of the best passing bigs in the history of the NBA. And Cat's a good passer, too. Like, Cat's not KG and doesn't have quite that same vision and ability to dissect quickly and calmly what's happening defensively. But, like, when you watch KG from 15, 20 years ago, welcome a double team, hold the ball high over his head very calmly with that wingspan. If I just hold the ball up here, I mean, just keep it away. And then the other four guys are looking to move and cut or find open space because someone's open, right? Spread the floor. So, I, I mean, in a perfect world, sure, run a double at Cat. Someone's open. He's going to rifle a pass. The Wolves have all kinds of shooters. But, like, that obviously didn't happen against the Clippers. So, like, that part of the chess match. The other thing, too, is because the Grizzlies are such a great rebounding team, number one in the NBA in rebounding and number one in offensive rebounding, if Cat gets into foul trouble – who rebounds for the Wolves? Like Jared Vanderbilt can grab some rebounds, yeah. but you know they're yeah. they're going to have a hard time keeping up on the glass with Cat on the court. So you're going to need you're going to need rebounding help from guards in these games. I mean, Pat Bev is a brilliant rebounding guard. You know, mm-hmm. D'Lo in certain games can get in there, but like you're going to need Ant and you're going to need Beverly. You know, Jaden McDaniel's like you're going to need your non bigs to rebound in this series against this team. So Listen let, to that. I mean, come on. What, what oh, more? Come on, what more? Come on, what more? Come on, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I mean, come on. Football, too. There you go. Hold on. There you go. Hold on. Shoes off. Shoes off. All right. All right. So off your cat passing point, which I love. Great discussion. Because you're right. KG was brilliant. And K- KG at times... I think was it was almost preferable in what you're talking about when he would pass because he they created so much space for him to do so. On Cat, the one thing that you need is Cat not to be cute with his passes. These no look passes that that he te- that it felt like he got into the tendency of trying to be super cute. Like, yeah. dude, you don't have to be you don't have to be magic. Or he's trying to, be... to emphasize contact to say, like, look, yeah. I'm get, look, I'm getting fouled. No, dude, like. Exactly. Exactly. Don't try and do. So, so like, to the term meat and potatoes, do that. Just make the pass. Like, somebody is open. You don't need. It doesn't need to be a rifled. Because he'll rifle the ball at times unnecessarily. It doesn't need to be a rifled no-look pass. It doesn't need to be cute. It doesn't need, need to make a highlight reel. It just needs to be an effective pass to score. That's the first thing. The second thing, and Phil, I'm going to throw this at you as a as an X's and O's idea, uh, because the one thing that I love about the playoffs in both hockey and basketball is is this: the ability of the coach to make an impact with adjustments that the opponent is not expecting. Like I, I think coaching come playoff time, I actually think coaching is an underrated sneaky thing because it's not oh, yeah. like an 
obvious huge adjustment at times, but it's a subtle one. And the opponent's like, oh, we didn't expect that. Now we have to adjust. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to throw this at you and tell me what you think. What would you think at times if they used Nas Reed and Cat on the floor at the same time? And Nas is the big, because here's, here's my problem. Jared Vanderbilt, who I love, like he plays his ass off, but he doesn't really score and he's no threat to score. And so opponents don't respect it. Like they're, they're just like, okay, dude's going to play hard and rebound. What would you think about looks that, and and it's been done before, but it's not done a ton that gave cat the freedom to be a big on the floor, but gave Nas the responsibility of the big uh, in, in an attempt because Nas can score. He can. Yeah. That's Nas is so interesting because sometimes he can be just a gaping liability on defense, but then other Mm -hmm. times he can come in and, and stretch the floor I love. I do. I do love when he's at his best. Like he does bring some great energy. Um, that's that's a good question. I think you know what's funny. <laughs> I don't know if this is just coincidence or what, but uh, Nas Reed, the most blocked against any team this season by far. Like he's not a huge shot blocker, but like he blocked way more shots against Memphis this season than any other team that they played. And again, maybe it's just a small sample size. Um, but he was he was very effective getting hands up defensively and yeah, I think, well, let me, let me frame it back this way. If you're going to beat Memphis in this series, there's going to have to be role players like that, that find a niche or something. I mean, another guy that didn't play against the Clippers, Torian Prince and what's his injury status. And can he come out? Cause, cause the Timberwolves should be able to create a gap, three points, a, a, a three point gap between Memphis and, and the Wolves in this series. Like, the Wolves are a better three-point shooting team. Desmond Bain is probably the best three-point shooter in this series, but the Wolves overall, up and down, should be able to be in the positive in three-point shooting. So can you then mitigate the other negatives? Like if Memphis is going to out-rebound you, if Memphis is going to get to the free-throw line more often, right? If Memphis is going to score more points in the paint, like how much of a gap can you create shooting three-pointers? That's another thing. Here's another one, all right? So John Morant who just came back, he missed like a month. He missed a lot of time. He came back second to last game of the season, put up like 25 or 30 points and showed that he's healthy. When he was out, by the way, they won almost every game. <laughs> they were just like, this team has really come into its own with or without John Morant, but he's the best player. So in their last meeting, which was a Timberwolves win in the four games that they played, the Wolves forced John Morant into a 7-for-25 shooting night, 0-for-4 from deep, all right? Here's the key. I don't know how you do this because he is very difficult to stop. And there are games where he also gets going from three-point range, and if that happens, you're pretty much screwed. But he's not a great shooter. He loves to get inside the paint, inside five feet, and he's one of the best converters once he gets inside the paint in the NBA. There's been 27 games, however, this season where Morant has shot under 50% from the field. And in most of those games, he's being forced to shoot from further outside. In those games where he shoots under 50%, the Grizzlies are 12-15, and 15, including two losses against the Timberwolves. The Timberwolves have held him under 50% three times. The, the Grizzlies are 1-2 in those games. In all other games, so either games in which he shoots over 50% or games in which he did not play, the Grizzlies are 44-11. and 11. So, you know, there's a lot of things that, you know, could, that this series could ride on, but if John Morant gets the shots that he wants, which largely are shots in the paint, and he shoots a lot of threes too, but like he's very hit or miss from downtown. If he gets to the line and he gets in the paint at will, you're probably screwed. If you can force him to take shots outside of like 15 feet or three-point range, I would take my chances in this series. He might get hot a couple times, but I would take my chances if you are, getting, if you are forcing him to stay out on the perimeter. Now, how do you do that? Probably, I mean, it's it's probably a combination of Pat Bev. It's it's probably a combination of a few guys, but that's a yeah, huge thing to watch. Pat Pat Bev, Pat Bev, I think has the ability to frustrate you completely, like to the point of annoyance. Mm-hmm. Um, on the Nas thing as well. So, and, and I mean, this might my ask might be entirely too big here, but on the Nas thing as well, I think that when Nas when Nas comes in for Cat. I think a lot of times what, what you see is a poor man's cat. 
he'll he'll go and shoot threes. Not a, not um, as well. Yeah. Yeah. Not, right. Right. But he'll I mean, rebound a little bit, but not as well. Yeah. Right. But he'll try and he'll he'll try and go on the perimeter. He definitely does have. It, it's not cat, but I mean cat star. He definitely has a perimeter game. Um, I guess what I'm thinking in trying to to flesh this out as far as the potential of cat and Nas being used at at the same time is this as well. Um, you would almost need to make Nas be the Vanderbilt role, but as a different player. So, so like, I wouldn't want both of them outside. I wouldn't want, I, I would tell Kat, you have the ability to do what you do. So like, if you go Rome, you go Rome. If you don't, you don't. But the fact is you are, you are basically the four here and Nas is the five and Nas is going to have, have to do the dirty work, but we actually think that he can score more effectively, and I think that this is very true, yeah. than Jared can. So I'm just I'm trying to think of what can you throw at Memphis that's not going to take you outside your identity, but is probably going to be a curveball compared to the tape that they've consistently seen. Yeah, no, or do the Wolves just say, listen, we're one of the best teams in the NBA since the All-Star break. It's less about what we throw at them, and it's, I mean, ultimately, they kind of just played their game and then adjusted without Carl Anthony Towns against the Clippers, and it was ugly, but it worked. Yeah, but that's so. one. That's that's one. That's one game and done. I I'm just trying. I think a series takes a toll. Yeah, this is going to be a fun chess match. Oh yeah, this is going to be a. I love series. I love. I love this because it's yeah, so I've much ar- fun. Sorry, I've already made. Uh, I've already made two bets on this game for Bovada. I, I've already you made told two me bets. last week I don't bet that much. Now you're. Like, I won some money on the Masters. I I won some money on Jordan Spieth missing the cut. I placed that bet before it happened, so I put that on a write that down and on some money on it. So I I got some capital to play with here. I got some capital yeah. to play with. Declan's going to be homeless in like two yeah, weeks. Yeah, it's Just, fine. I don't know. I, have, I like the over. Yeah, gonna, two yeah. high-scoring teams. Yeah, yeah two high-scoring teams. It'll be fine. He's going to come to right. work with two black eyes. Yeah. Kneecap <laughs> shot. Hey, yeah. hey, guys, what's up? I fell yeah. down the stairs last night. I traded in my, you know, my four teeth that I paid astronomical money for two years ago to uh, to pay off my bets to this bookie that's been it was going to threaten to break them off to so a round one series against the yeah. Grizzlies. I thought yeah. Chris yeah, Paddock yeah. was going to be good tonight. Yeah, I, really I, I swear, I swear, I, I swear he was. I thought he was yeah, yeah, the, really the Dodgers good. aren't used to the cold weather. I don't no, know. No, I thought no. they, it'll be fine. It'll yeah. be fine. <laughs> uh, Judd, why don't you tell the audience about a great Mother's Day gift that we are supporting here on Mackie and Judd? Supporting and and we're doing it because it's going to make your life uh, uh, sons, uh, dads. It's going to make your your life simpler because right now you're sitting there saying what I used to say, which is what am I what am I going to get for you know Mom's Day? What can I get? And I don't want to get something cliched. And I'm going to give you the perfect the perfect gift. Sports Dad is telling you right now: spiral light candles. These things are super cool. They smell fantastic, and I guarantee you, your mom or your wife is going to love them. In fact, what you do is is you light the wick at the top, okay, guys? It burns down spiral fashion then, and, and the wax drips down into what I would call a secondary candle that will wow. last for 40 hours, and the smell is fantastic. This is not like your standard boring, oh, this candle is so boring. No, it's not. It's great. Um, it, it's a perfect gift. It's inexpensive, inexpensive. Prices start at $14 a wide array. Orders of $50 or more ship for free. It's local, which means, which means one, supported here, but two, it's shipped out basically same day. So like, you know, you're, you're like, it's a day before mom's day or two days or three days. Guess what? It arrives quickly. Go to spirallightcandles.com, spirallightcandles.com dot com check out the site um but i'm telling you right now if you're looking for something for your wife or mom it's great in fact in fact dawn tried one and said you know what i need more she's ordered more already on the zolian credit card i'm thrilled about that spiral light candles spiral light candles let's rock and roll here all right let's uh let's get to old tweets exposed where we are just at the mercy of Declan and the things that he pulls yeah. from the internet archives to embarrass us. So what do you got here, Dex? All right, I got a couple Wolves thoughts from both of you in the last year and a half or so. Um, I have a Twins thought, which we'll get to later on. Start with uh, Phil, though. This was before the 2020 season started, okay? And there was a trade possibility of Bradley Beal that was thrown out oh. recklessly on oh, ESPN. Yeah. Dude, yep. why did Bradley, Bradley Beal was like, I'm, I'm going to stay in Washington. All right. All right, guy. Let me try to pull up this trade. Stay in what Washington. Was, what was being asked here? Okay. Very slowly and surely. 
It was a Bradley Beal and the, and the number one pick. That's what it was. So the Wolves would have gotten Bradley Beal, and the Wizards would have gotten the number one pick, which would have been Anthony Edwards, James Johnson, Jared Culbert, Jake well, they, But regardless, or they Anthony might have Edwards, drafted Lamelo. Actually, there's a they whole butterfly effect here. This yeah. is true. But yeah. Phil Mackey was on board. In fact, inject this trade into my veins. Yeah. Well, I mean, I listen. I love me some Ant Edwards. I'm glad that that pick has panned out, and I'm glad that the Timberwolves have him. Mm-hmm. This this probably would have been a little bit like the Jimmy Butler trade, in that you would be expediting your winning curve, and maybe capping your ceiling. But Bradley Beal is in his prime right now. This was a weird year for him. He missed half the season. He was banged up. His scoring average was way down. He's also probably just uninspired playing for that crappy organization, which he elected to stay well, yeah, with. Yeah, he stayed there, so it's his fault. But the last two years before this, he averaged 31 points per game, shot 47% from the field, and shot 35% from three-point range. Like, Bradley Beal is a freaking stud offensive player, yeah, so... Good. Would the Timberwolves be better with a healthy Bradley Beal than Anthony Edwards? Maybe a little bit. Yeah. Well, but I'm glad they cashed the lottery ticket. I don't think say. it's a super hot take to say that it would have been fun to have Bradley Beal in a Timberwolves uniform. But I am, I am happy that it played out the way. Yeah, your, your lead is very, very small. Like, I, I think it's going to be trumped here fairly quickly by Declan or myself. Okay. Oh, here's February 25th, 2021. You think Chris Finch has called his buddy Nick Nurse yet? Finchy. Yeah, Nick, what's up? Okay, Nurse. Not much. How's the job going? Finchy. Uh, good. So have you filled my uh, old job yet? <laughs> wow, dude. That was like a week after he got hired. <laughs> it was an uninspired, uh, but yes, I do lead. It, it was, uh, wow. it was not a very inspired Wolves team, but Finchie did a great job with it. It so was, I they, they pretty much played like dogs for a week after they, yeah, they hired him. And <laughs> then he got his little, you know, Finchy fingers into the, into hey. the dough. Yeah, and guess what, too? Culture changer. Pat Bell. He is. Well, like, Finch, Finch is, too. Yeah. Right, right. Finch but but they, needed a player, they needed a player to reset the tone. And it had been a long time, and Pat Bev did exactly that. I love it. Yeah, Pat Bev. By the way, Pat Bev revenge tour. You know, people talk about the Clippers. Memphis. You know, Memphis traded him, too. Memphis traded for him and then spun him over to the Timberwolves. And so he could easily, you know, maybe that was in the works all along, but, like, he could easily say, well, you didn't want me either. Let's well, he will. eliminate your ass from the first oh, round he of the playoffs. <laughs> he will. He will. And if that's what jacks you up as a player, that's awesome. That's like great. what I what I don't like is when a guy acts like it, but it's quite clear that, that it's just a show. But with Beverly, it's not a show. It yeah. jacks him up. That's awesome. Good. Good for him. All right. So Judd's got to be the leader in the clubhouse here. Yeah. Just already losing faith in Finchie's coaching abilities. Well, Finchie lost faith in, in the team a weekend. But, yes, I'll take the lead. I, I never had any old hot takes on uh, Chris Finchie, but I did have a hot twins take from almost yeah, about 10 years ago that uh, old beat writer Macadac I think will appreciate here. Wow. Oh, boy. Oh, God. December 5th, 2012. Uh, Sean Markham, Sean Joel Saunders, Markham. and Mike Pelfrey would be guys I wouldn't mind seeing as temporary solutions with huge <laughs> emphasis on temporary. Okay. Sean you Markham. Hedged it. You hedged it. You hedged yeah. it. Yeah. Joe Saunders cool. and Mike Pelfrey, who ended up signing. Actually, ended up signing Mike Pelfrey. So I, like um, I, I was right Sean Markham on a Joe, fantasy team one time. Joe I definitely Sa- did. And Joe, Joe Saunders. That's a great blast from the past as well. Those are three cooked pitchers in yeah. 2012. Yeah. But and, you did. I feel like you hedged with temporary. Judd, Judd was just like completely. Yeah. I went. Just sarcasm and everything. So, yeah. Judd, you're going to be the winner. Yeah, I thought pitch. I was being funny. Amazing. Now I just Still, though, egg. the fact I was like. Hey, hey Joe Saunders. I you know, I, I wouldn't mind a Joe wow. Saunders or a Sean Markham or even Mike Pelfrey forty five seconds between pitches. Like it would have been completely fine. Joe, so when did you tweet that? 2012? Yeah, so it was going in. Joe into, Saunders was still okay. He was a lefty. Joe Saunders, God, he was he came he in Bay, 2005. Right? LA he was, he was a few so Angels. For Angels. A while. Uh, Markham was so, in Toronto for a while. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Um Okay. I remember yeah, Joe Saunders in 2012 wound up with Baltimore and Arizona. It's pretty good. 28 starts. Pelf. Like ERA just over four. Big oh, Pelf okay. and Kevin Correa. Those, those were the answers. Kevin Mike Correa. Pelfrey, one of the nicest human beings of all nice time. Guy. But my God, it was impossible to watch him pitch. Just a horse. Just and and he's like six foot six. Yeah. I think he was a first round pick. Mm-hmm. And he would just nibble. You know, he's he's got movement on his stuff, and it was just he would not throw the ball over the plate. Just a disaster. Speaking of that, uh, of of 
pitching, can, can we briefly touch on on yeah. Kershaw's um, perfect game bid? Sure. On uh, what, what was it Wednesday? So I was there. Okay. And as a baseball Judd, the baseball purist, you know, it sucks. He had a perfect game. He could have got gotten it. Eighty pitches. Eighty pitches. Um, he very. You know, I, I mean, if we are to believe what was said post game, he was asked about. You know what? What's the play here? Kershaw said, "Let's get me to approximately eighty pitches, and then I'm probably or I'm done because I didn't. You know, I was hurt last year. I didn't pick up a baseball until." I, I think right before they came back from yeah, the lockout. Yeah, exactly right. But he, but he, so anyway, so here's my problem. Baseball purist Judd, historical, like I'd love to see a perfect game would be great. And I understand the pushback of, of the fact that he did not complete it, that game. The Dodgers brought a guy in from the bullpen who immediately basically gave up a hit and a perfect game, no hit, but et cetera. But I don't have a hot take here, but here's my take. When are we going to realize, and we've had discussions, all three of us, about this previously, but I think that this hits the nail on the head. When are we going to realize that a lot of people don't care about this? Like the perfect game, I care, okay? But I'm 52. Um, But when are we going to realize that there is a growing faction of baseball fans that think that this was a smart move? And furthermore, do not put the historical significance into, oh, my God, I think that this would would have been the 34th perfect game of 24th. all time or 24th that I do. But my point is – Not I, that I, I care about this. Not, not that yeah, I know the exact it's the number. 24th and I, it's 24, and uh, yeah. But, but you know, uh, Jeff Passan tweeted you, he has to stay in. There were people that were definitely on board with that, with, with like the hot take of this was a huge mistake. Yeah. This is why baseball this is why baseball fans are walking away. But my point was this on Twitter. And it's not true of me, but it's true. There's a lot of people that simply do not hinge their baseball fandom on the statistical things that a person like Judd Zolgan does. So I, I partially agree in that I think I think baseball has been way too beholden by statistics and history mm-hmm. and 150 years of record books and you know it's it's like it like paralyzes them from making changes to the game. Well, we don't want to alter the numbers. I mean, I always reference this basketball halfway through the NBA's existence was like, you know, our sport could use a little seasoning. Yeah. We just need a little more excitement here and the Showtime Lakers came along and that was great too, but right before the show right around the time of the Showtime Lakers, they literally drew a line on the court. I think it was the first year of Magic Johnson was the first year of the three-point shot. Yes, and if I'm not mistaken, the ABA did, did it first. Yeah, and and but I mean, it was smart to be like that's a pretty yeah. good idea. And like We're that drastically off. altered statistics for the rest of NBA ten. But guess what? You know, forty years later, okay, we whatever. We don't we don't get paralyzed over like, well, this player's numbers are wildly different than that player from forty years ago. Where I disagree with you is eighty pitches, couple things. Now he, now Clayton Kershaw, he said. Blame the lockout, blame the MLBPA, blame the owners. Like, I'm not ramped up. No one's ramped up. Mm-hmm. Well, I get that you couldn't, like, play in spring training games, but, like, what's preventing you, Clayton Kershaw, and every other pitcher from being ramped up to throw 100 yeah. pitches the first day of the season? Like, there's plenty of places to go play catch with teammates and high school catchers, college catchers, sure. whatever. Like, why are you not ramped up? Well, we didn't know when the season was. Okay, well, the season's either going to start close to on time, in which case be ready, or it's not, and it'll like you'll miss games. But either way, like you, you, you know, I, I guess I'm I'm puzzled as to like why these pitchers are all like, well, oh my god, like the spring training, we got to start throwing now. What I would have done, and again, I'm 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 with you. Like, I, who cares ultimately? Like, the game shouldn't be beholden to numbers and things. But a perfect game is so rare. Eighty pitches. How about? Can you send him out there? And he and the, well, they had a lead, right? What was the score? It's like four oh, nothing or yeah, four, four nothing, five, six four nothing. Five, yeah. yeah. Okay, so can he go yeah, out there and just pump up. some strikes and see if he can get? Is there a if if he throws a five pitch inning and a couple yeah. guys roll over some breaking balls? Okay, now you're at eighty five pitches. If he labors and he goes a full count, okay, boom, bring somebody else in to finish the job. Like, how about going out there and just seeing what happens if you can get a couple quick outs? That's what I would have done. I'm not outraged over it, but like. I 
but I agree with you completely. My point is we have to start to process the fact that a lot of people don't care. Like that. Well, that's that, my... but I think, but it's not that people don't care about perfect games. It's that people don't care about baseball. Well, so I, you could, I could flip the argument and say a perfect game might get someone to watch it on SportsCenter and, oh, that's interesting. Let's watch the Dodgers now. I think there's a lot of younger fans that don't, that are like, okay, I just don't care about that. Uh, that that's a problem. I'm just, I'm not so, I don't have a hot take about he's got to continue or it's the death of this game. I have a hot take about the fact that I think it's an incredibly interesting in the divisive nature about how different people now feel because I do love the stats. Like I, I would love to have seen a perfect game. That would have been awesome to see. So from my, have you ever seen a no hitter? That would have been your first. I've never been to one. No, I've, and, and, and by the way, a perfect game is, is like way, way different to me personally. Mm -hmm. No, no, no would be cool, but they're throwing a lot now comparatively. But a perfect game would have been awesome. I just think that this line in the sand, this has gone too far now, doesn't open itself to the conversation about where baseball has really, truly gone, which is unfortunate to me. But I'm also accepting because ultimately I do want this sport to thrive and survive. And like these old man yelling at Cloud Judd takes of he's got to finish, don't get us there, I don't think. I was far more annoyed by Miguel Sano's 0 for 19 start after we'll yesterday's game than Clayton Kershaw. It was yes, I did that. Yes, I agree with you. I love I love to the excuses of like, well, he's just a notoriously slow starter. Well, these games matter. Those like when you fell 15 games below 500 early in the season last year, and you had to bench him because he had, didn't show up until June, and he shows up when the season's already over. Like the. April matters, okay? You can't just like not that? hit until June. Are are there people on Twitter still like? Well, I mean, the broadcast crew talks about it. Oh, he's a slow starter, and well, you know, he of has earned. There's... If if Mike, like, let's say Mike Trout is a career like two thirty twenty hitter in April. Well, it doesn't matter because he's Mike Trout and he's eventually going to turn it on. And I know I'm I'm using the best player in baseball, but Miguel Sano has never earned the right to be one of the top ten players in baseball, and therefore doesn't deserve any type of cushion of having a crappy April. Yeah, well, the That's top what ten, also and the, infuriates and the, me. And the top 10 players in baseball don't hit Get 220 off the, every, every April. But, with. No, and by the way, it's not about batting average. Like He offers sure. one discernible skill, and it's power. Right. In an era where there's more power, that skill is less valuable than it's right. ever been. Correct. And, and he doesn't give you any other discernible skills. The other thing, too, that drives me nuts is Rocco got Carlos Correa off his feet yesterday. Okay, you know, that's Rocco. Miguel Sano, I don't think, sat out a game or has sat out a game yet. Trying to like get him going, I guess. Oh. But but that's the point is it ain't going to – when he gets going, it's probably going to be June, and he'll get going for two weeks. Um, but I don't understand – like the one thing that I applauded completely that, that the 2021 Twins did was when they put Miguel into a platoon. And I get – Kirloff's hurt because that's going to now be the comeback. Well, who are they going to play? Arise, find a way, find somebody yeah. else, uh, a mannequin. Like Miguel Sano is un- like the at bats are again embarrassing. Yeah, they're, they're really bats. There really should never be a game. Not never because it's baseball, but like every time I see Miguel Sano in the lineup and Luis Arise coming off the bench, I'm it's not going to set well with me. But I'm sure he'll get. You know, he might hit a home run. This weekend, something like he's probably going to get hot for two weeks, and sure he will. But even when he's hot, like we we now have, he's almost thirty years old. In fact, uh, I'm sorry he he turns he turns uh, twenty nine in May, so he'll be twenty nine years old in in like a month. So we now have eight years of sample on this guy. This is year eight, and at no point has he been a big on base guy. At no point has he been a big. Runs batted in guy, we're like, you know, runners on second. Like, he doesn't make enough. Con- and these people who are like, well, what's the difference? An out's an out. No, it's not. Well, an out is an out, but a result at the plate isn't always an out. So he strikes out more often than all but like three hitters in baseball history. If you were to swap out 50 strikeouts with batted balls, you're not mm-hmm. swapping out 50 strikeouts with 50 outs. You're swapping out 50 strikeouts with 50 batted balls. In his career, he hits 320 on batted balls. Which means 
a third of those, if you replace the strikeouts with 50 batted balls, you'd have more hits, doubles, home runs, <laughs> but he can't make contact. So, oh. right. strikeouts don't matter. That's not Good true. Agree. They absolutely And he broke his bat. And, you know, he breaks his bat. Like, I'm frustrated. Well, no no crap, dude. So am I trying to watch you hit. Judd broke his uh, his water jug in the press box yeah. at the same time. It broke his plastic spoon. I don't I, I don't understand why a guy is allowed to keep playing when what he's doing is not competitive to the actual sport he's playing. That's yeah, what I don't that's understand. Fair. That's fair. All right, let's uh, let's wrap it here on Mackie and Joe. We're doing a mock draft simulation, our first of, of the mock season on Purple Daily today. So if you're looking to nerd out with us, definitely check us out on Purple and Daily. And by the way, your connection for a guy that threatened us with connection problems. Knock on wood. I'll, I'll tell you what. I, just so I don't know. I've gotten... I've gotten some alerts here, like some mystery alerts here. I think it might be them saying, "Hey, we're done." I'll 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 check it after we're done here. But okay, pretty good. Good work. This is like mentioning a no-no in the sixth inning. I don't know why we're doing this. (laughs) All right, we'll see you guys for feedback Friday. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to two hundred dollars off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread, and take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. At the Home Depot, we have the tools for you to give the gift of a smarter home with savings on top brands like the Google Hub, a command center for your smart devices that raises the IQ of your entire home. Or the Nest Learning Thermostat that helps you conserve energy and save on your bill. And if you don't know what to get, gift cards are a smart gift no matter what they get. So this year, gift smarter with savings on tools to make your holiday magic. The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Venture X from Capital One is the travel card for people always asking, Where next? You earn 10x miles on hotels and rental cars and 5x miles on flights booked through Capital One Travel and 2x miles on everything else you buy with Venture X. Plus, receive premium travel benefits like access to over 1,300 airport lounges. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details.